0: Super
1: Beast!
2: Super Beast! It's a nice podcast, Super Beast! Get a light loaded fast, Super Beast! For your ears, it's a beast, Super Beast, Super Beast, Super Beast,
1: Super Beast! Super Beast! <laughs>
3: Hello and welcome to the Super Beast Podcast with Berg, Blake, and Charlotte. It's been a while, but we're back with another episode for you. We're going to be playing some tunes, taking a look at the news, calling in at room 919, talking about some film TV and zine reviews and having a bit of a chat. And we're celebrating Freedom Day here in uh, England today. That I'm sure that will feature in the chat. Berg, Charlotte, how are you doing?
4: Yeah,
1: good.
3: Good free. So everything's flowing. <laughs>
4: I don't know about you, but I'm feeling hot today. Very, very <laughs> hot. I don't know about free, but yeah.
3: <laughs> free to sweat, yes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's like hottest day of the year so far here. But uh, yeah, Freedom Day, is uh, it's a concept, isn't it? It's
0: bit of a stupid, stupid <laughs> term that we probably
3: shouldn't draw that
4: long. Back, I know, it? I'm nervous about the whole thing.
3: <laughs> I think it's free for a month, and then we'll probably see some more restrictions. But, yeah. Definitely,
4: definitely. We'll, we'll,
3: we'll see. So, what have you been up to um since the last time it's been a been a while
4: loads actually yeah i've had uh, quite a lot of things um, going on really it's like it's been nicer to sort of get out and see people and like have i've actually sort of met up with a couple of friends and things which um, i've not done that for about a year and a half so that was really nice and uh, went out and had some proper cocktails and i got a haircut as well yeah feeling a bit more normal than than what i have done for about the last year and a half so that's been nice i invested in a hot tub as well mm. which i've been using as a cold tub so just oh, one man. of those really chavvy inflatable ones <laughs> but <laughs> absolutely love it so it's man. like a grown-up paddling pool that's been really good this month
3: yeah they're really popular at the minute those keep seeing them everywhere
4: yeah <laughs> bnm special
3: yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: i've been doing a few things i did the half term came went did a, did a little bit of writing and art of that, which has now been published in a couple of zines and i'm coming up to the end of term now so we have just on a sort of like final sort of activities week which has been nice and fun being off to flamingo land today which, which is a really good laugh and yeah doing plenty in the garden We've got loads of cherries coming out so have been planting trees and mm. picking cherries and things like it's that. It's been
4: really nice having fresh cherries, actually, proper treat,
0: yeah. know I right, just enjoying the summer, really, like, um, mm. yeah, trying to enjoy the extra conditions that we can have a little bit more. than we had a few months back with the cases being a little bit, less threatening, it seems. Okay. Like, well, yeah, enjoying my life.
4: Yeah. How about you? What have you been up
0: to? Well,
3: I'll tell you in a second, but I need to ask first because uh, I've been wondering about this uh, since we last spoke, but uh, how's the tap dancing going?
0: <laughs> oh i've uh, got the shoes up twice when i've drunk i haven't practiced at all when i was doing a, a flamenco song I, I did a little went
1: Aye!
0: and then and did that bit yeah so not not at all it's not that, but maybe over the summer
3: yeah okay well that, that i look forward to hearing that what have i been up to i've been um been watching the world burn and flood and, and things oh. like that really it all seems to be kicking off doesn't it i went on holiday went to Madeira, which was uh, on a whim, and probably in hindsight, a bit of a, a mistake, really. Um, I booked it when when Madeira and Portugal were on the green list, thought, oh yeah, I'll sneak a little holiday in, and then a couple about a few days before we went, it went onto the amber list, so had to uh, fork out for loads and loads of COVID tests, like 640 quid's worth of COVID cool. tests just to like oh. be able to go and come back yeah
4: that's uh, another cost isn't it on stuff this the same price as going away somewhere else after
3: exactly yeah it was a, a bit of a, a stupid gamble really and and once we got there we were kind of in the middle of nowhere and so it was like more isolation that we'd paid for <laughs> a lot of money for so um yeah bit, that was a bit of a disappointment really but um yeah it was you yeah, know can't complain it was interesting to go through the experience of Going to airports and being on planes again and seeing how everybody else was coping with it and coping with all the forms that you had to fill out and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting from that point of view, but that was about it really. So yeah, probably yeah. the most expensive holiday I've ever had and probably the least memorable. Cool. Uh, I went to see some uh, live stand-up comedy last night at the Leadmill in in Sheffield.
1: Oh cool, and, yeah.
3: Yeah, it was really nice. Went to see Tom Binns, if you know. Yeah. He does that yeah. clairvoyant guy and the the hospital radio uh, DJ. Yeah, it was really good. The chairs were all spaced out and stuff, and it was it was maybe only at half full or something. But uh, mm. yeah, he uh, he was sort of joking about being rusty about not being on stage for a while. But um, yeah, it was really funny and obviously like spilled out of there at half ten at night, and it was still kind of light and just really hot and just kind of wandered home. Mm. And yeah, it was a really good summer evening, really. Mm-hmm.
4: Nice.
3: Yeah, yeah so. we've got
0: a little bit of live music too, like a little bit yeah. inside. I prefer watching it outside at the minute when the weather's been good. Yeah, it's been it's been quite nice. We went to one indoor gig that was before they lifted the table service.
4: Yeah it was nice actually because it was quite an intimate gig as well so it felt a bit like Christmas round your relatives house because they've got like this random array of furniture and like all the chairs were like too tall for the tables and people were just kind of perching in like whatever they could find to sit on sort of the thing and um, yeah it was um, really nice very, very higgledy piggledy and it was just just lovely it would sort of have that vibe of being around your grandmas at Christmas or something like yeah. that mm-hmm. so yeah it was it was lovely. And then uh, on Sunday, we went to see a band called Waiting for Wednesday. And, and that was like a, an outdoor gig in a beer garden. And that was really, really nice as well. And um, yeah, my mum came through and um, she, she got a bit emotional watching that band. because She was like, oh, it's the first live music I've <laughs> seen for ages. This is so nice. Thank you for inviting me. And like yeah, she was uh, a little bit emotional about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was lovely. It was nice to get able to see music again. And, and stuff is really just amazing. Yeah
3: yeah i can thoroughly, thoroughly believe that yeah uh when when i arrived last night and i was sort of sitting down in front of the stage i, I kind of did think oh i wish this was just a really loud band that was about to come on um <laughs> i don't want to be ungrateful yeah it was um when pubs and and restaurants as well first reopened I, I guess this was like may wasn't it now but uh it just the difference it makes like walking through the city center after work and mm. like smells from the restaurant and just seeing people in, in pubs again and everything that was like that was a really nice day actually um seeing the life returning to the city I uh, found that quite quite a nice a nice feeling yeah
1: um,
3: oh yeah and I've ordered an electric car oh wow, wow. yeah so oh. that's exciting I don't know when it's going to come my company is doing like a leasing scheme or whatever so
4: brilliant
3: quite yeah. exciting but yeah that's that's kind of what I've been up to oh yeah and there was some football wasn't there but uh probably best we be don't talk about it <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah there was the football wasn't there mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a thing that happened <laughs>
3: have you either of you guys or both of you done a uh, jingle for us this time around
0: yeah um made a little jingle
4: i'm not involved with this jingle at all this is <clears> work. oh i asked you, yeah. you it
0: did, yeah. It,
4: yeah john to be fair john did ask me but um yeah i was too stressed with work to feel like doing jingles so um this is john's work all right well
0: <laughs> I made a little jingle about, because Britain hosted the G7 climate summit, all the world leaders converged on Cornwall, they had like 800% increase in COVID cases after that with all the people came, but yeah, the the PM like flew in from London to Cornwall, I just thought it was hilarious at the climate change concert that he flew in, so I did a jingle about about that and about the the sort of standard of politics for a minute, nod to Johnny Cash.
3: Okay, I think this is the right one then, I'll, I'll put it on. Um a uh, one, two, three,
0: four, one. I'm flying down to Cornwall. I'm going to save the planet when my current officers break the law. No one cares about that. God damn it. Legitimized stupidity and corruption have become the norm. Um because no one holds the <laughs> super beasts to account when we break the law. <laughs>
3: Amazing. That was great. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, f- flying down to Cornwall for that summit was um, was really something, wasn't it? I thought it was a spoof news story when I saw it, um, but it turns out it wasn't.
0: It's difficult to judge sometimes nowadays. Like, what would have been parody two decades ago is now just, like, that, mm. mm. I don't and yeah. flick
4: I just can't work out the, the logic and the reasoning behind this at all because it's, like, I don't know whether they've even thought about, like, what it looks like to other people or whether they've just gone with the easiest option or whether they've worked it out based on, like, carbon credits. and Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's all a bit bonkers, like, because I don't know whether it's um, helped... A fewer people down there on a plane than what they would have needed if they'd gone by car or something like that but i find it really strange that they've done it and then there's been no statement about why why they've done that why they've flown and why they haven't gone by car or by train or i feel like he should have walked to be fair but <laughs> yeah it, it beggars belief really
3: yeah i've gone on his bike it was um yeah truly breathtaking uh moved by uh downing street but um yeah that you know they're not sure of those
0: nice piece of wizardry bit of political theater that's what they love uh smile no oh.
3: i think it was
4: just because that's what Bo- bojo wanted to do
0: yeah
3: too busy to uh to save the planet i think
4: mm.
3: um, well my jingle is a completely different universe to yours and doesn't compare and has no kind of biting uh satirical edge to it it's just some noises all strung together but <laughs> What it does feature at the start of it is the voice of uh, Richard Branson, who last year was asking staff and, and the government and the public to help bail out Virgin Airways because they didn't have enough money to survive. And then last week or the week before, whenever it was, uh, he was blasting himself off into space on his new rocket. Um, and, you know, he managed to find a bit of change down the back of the sofa for that. Yeah, yeah I thought I'd uh, I thought feature him in my uh, very noisy and... Uh, Excellent. Emotional. Yes. <laughs> so our space factories need to uh, get to work in building a lot of spaceships. And...
5: <laughs> Round one, fight!
1: Start, two, one, Booster ignition
0: and liftoff. I like it. <laughs> he got there before Bannon, didn't he? He beat him in the in the corporate space Leguminous. race. Bezos? It was Bannon. <laughs> Amazon, um, like... Uh, Jeff
4: Bezos.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, he? I don't know what he's called.
4: Have you seen the rocket, though, today? I laughed my ass off when I saw the rocket today that Bezos went up in. It <laughs> looks like a giant cock.
3: Wow. There's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it don't
4: was. think it could look more like a cock if it tried. I mean, they didn't paint it pink or anything, but, like, you know, it went not far off. <laughs>
3: He <laughs> did it though, and he and he went he went a couple of miles higher than Branson, so he's won. Um, we, we <laughs> did should... he?
0: You went higher than
3: Branson <laughs> in his cock shaped
4: rocket. Yeah, sure yeah.
3: A couple of extra inches. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. Some jingles and some uh, some breaking news stories for you. There. Did you guys want to play a song? And um, did either of you chosen one?
0: oh yeah so first tune i wanted to play boom boom raccoon our friends from bristol area who made our, the introduction song they recorded an album and it's lovely it's absolutely brilliant and i got to hear some new tracks that they'd written and this is one of them uh, it's called fuck you ashley mm-hmm. and i fucking love this song <laughs>
3: great that was really good that it makes me love them even more than i already <laughs> did uh, for creating her theme song so yeah that, that was great
0: when people write kind of narrative songs it's obviously like very true going through stuff like that but just to make it quite funny so yeah mm. i love that definitely
3: should we talk about some news because uh, there's been quite a lot of news hasn't there it's
4: been epic for news hasn't it <laughs> don't know yeah. where to start <laughs>
3: Obviously, there has been a, a heatwave in uh, North America and Canada, killed 200 people in the Pacific Northwest of uh, of the US and 500 people in Canada um, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, and I think they're due in that heatwave to return again, aren't they, um, this week, if it hasn't already, mm. which is quite concerning. And whilst all of that is going on, there's obviously been uh, the huge deadly floods in uh, Germany and Belgium, 200 people dead so far. Yeah in europe so those two things combined are pretty bad and there's also um, some forest fires raging in siberia at the moment coinciding with all of that and uh, and some fire tornadoes in california i don't know if you saw the footage of those
4: fire tornado
3: yeah yeah i mean and it, it is what it sounds like it's a tornado of fire Yeah, um, if you have a look on BBC News, their YouTube page, you can see some uh, interesting footage of fire tornadoes and even fire hoses getting sucked up into fire tornadoes. Yeah, all of which paints a pretty damning picture of where we are right now in the world at the moment. That sounds
4: like something like the apocalypse or, you know, biblical warning (laughs) of, like, fire tornado. That's just mad.
0: Three things on those. One there's a, the human and the animal cost and the, the cost of the natural world of all of those is enormous. And it's kind of almost uncountable in a weird way because we're always saying human death toll is this, and we look at it like that. We have that sort of illustrated mindset to look at it in a kind of, well, what's the cost of humans? How many businesses, how many mm. homes, how many people? But like, obviously things are going to get more extreme in terms of weather because of like climate change. Yeah. The cost to the ecosystems of something like
4: that yeah. is just
0: and crazy. what could it cause? That's one thing. Second, the, like obviously climate change is in effect and it's going to keep going for the next 200 years. It did nothing. So it's only going to get worse. Even if we get carbon neutral tomorrow, the effect is still going to keep being generated. So like, if you think that's extreme, it's going to get more extreme year upon year. And last thing is to finish on something like, funny, if you like. I looked at a demographic of the Northern Hemisphere and it looked, and I'm sure all, all the, the, kind of the, the conservative type Brexit type lovers will will kind of think it looks a bit like a Union Jack because it was like blue for like really cold and there was red for really hot, the white bits in the middle. It's just a big swirl of a Union Jack. So, for all those that love the old Empire Bowl going and spanning around the globe, if you want to see the, the climate demographic, it looks very patriotic if you're um, if you're kind of in the silly yeah, nationalist.
3: Excellent observation. Yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be somebody out there that's pleased about that. <laughs> Another news story I picked up on, this is about two weeks ago. Israel had used an artificially intelligence guided swarm of drones to drop bombs on Hamas militants. Mm. This is uh, where a single user guides the drones to their target and then an AI coordinates the swarm, flies them safely, in inverted commas, as safe as a, a bombing drone can be to bomb some militants. So, uh, you know, that's think about is not it, isn't it?
4: Yeah. Um, I um, I read about this and it, it really bothers me this because basically they're recruiting kids from quite a young age um, not just in Israel but other places as well they're, they're recruiting people that are good at computer games because it's controlling drones and it's been sort of like turned into like a game of, of, of killing it absolutely horrifies me and I don't know what effect it's going to have on the people who do that because if you think about it's just one person that's controlling it and then bombing all these other people militants or otherwise and um, I I just find it really shocking that someone can sit at a computer or even from a mobile phone and just be sat like on a phone doing that is just absolutely crazy I find it really shocking and just like the impersonalness of of killing how it's become so easy like that i just think it's really horrific actually and i do wonder what it's gonna mean for the people who do that for a job now in the future like how they're gonna process that in the long term and then also the implications that it has if they get the data wrong and they bomb a hospital or a refugee camp or something instead because that's also what happens so yeah it's shocking
0: yeah there's a thing on the film Toys that kind of looks at that. Like the kids were flying these like um, toy planes that were act- actually taking part in war. it was kind of satirised or foretold that kind of stuff yeah. could be happening. But yeah, automatic uh, acting weaponry and uh, and stuff that's just remote controlled. Yeah, it freaks me out. One of those things was warned against. And uh, yeah, it's not a good thing that that, that sort of stuff is, is rampaging and being let out.
4: Yeah, because perhaps we'll get to a point where they have like a weapon system where there's no human involvement at all and it's just kind of set up and then it's like, oh, it looks like there's troops amassing in this place and uh, we're going to bomb them automatically and they might remove like that human control and then then where will we we'll be?
3: If you just leave it to the AI and, you know, mm-hmm. it just starts targeting whatever it wants. Yeah, Barack Obama was a big fan of drone strikes, wasn't he? He was always drone striking people from uh, comfort. Mm-hmm wherever he was and um he's uh, set a dangerous precedent
0: yeah right man. yeah i um, think wrote a rather rather book-provoking short story about the final consequences of, of like uh, allowing sort of automatic weaponry to go across and yeah it's uh, worth warning against and think people international agencies will always do things the cheapest way they can with the least risk to their own personnel yeah. so it's, it's going to continue
4: But I think the thing with the drone strikes as well, it feels a bit like dirty tactics as well, because like the people who order the drone strikes and the people that carry out the drone strikes by pushing the button or whatever, they don't ever see the aftermath of what that looks like on the ground. And maybe if they did, they might be a bit less keen to do it. I don't know.
3: A couple of other quick ones. I don't know if you were in any way anticipating the US government report into UFO sightings by the military. (laughs) I I was sort of kind of half-heartedly looking forward to it just because I wondered what they might sort of just touch on some strange things, but it was massively uh, unexpectedly underwhelming and there was nothing of interest in it, sadly. The uh only the things that I've got Freedom Day yesterday here in England, (laughs) which is interesting. It's been interesting being out and about um yesterday and today. Like I've got a friend who was hitting a nightclub at midnight on sunday night the, the minute they can open clubbing was back in action um, was this you or was this a friend <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely it's definitely a friend that I, he was going to work as well the next day so he's going to the nightclub at wow. mid- and then he was going to work the following day but it was his 40th birthday so this was like this is how he wanted to celebrate his 40th yeah so massively on over at work but um he reckoned he get away <laughs> with it and uh yeah good on him but yeah, Sheffield last night was kind of banging you again with people heading off to clubs and stuff. Uh, and it was interesting being in the supermarkets today and seeing, you know, are people wearing masks now? Are they not? And the what people's vibes is. Um, I think, like from my observations, it seems like a lot of people are still quite into the masks. Um, mm-hmm. I was as well. So that was quite nice. But uh, yeah, there definitely has been a, a, a shift.
5: Yeah.
0: It's a really weird one watching the press conference where I've, I've never seen such a press conference in all these like emergency pandemic responses where what they're saying or what they're advocating seem to be so polarised. Mm. It's like we want you to stick to the rules, but we're going to get rid of all the rules. We want you to like, look after each other, but we're going, you can do whatever you want and like it seems there is some justification I think to saying that hospital numbers are down even though case numbers are like flying up to like the point they were right when we locked down mm-hmm. but I've, I've never seen such a kind of schizophrenic kind of thing where then, then they say after, well we've got to be double jabbed to go to a club from September now that you've gone mm-hmm. once you've got, you've got to make sure you've got your vaccines Everything's yeah. been pushed towards vaccination just, which is probably right but it's kind of that sort of direct coercion makes me uneasy because it I think it'll backfire but
4: and I don't know why they're feeling that um, they need to get everybody double-jobbed for September to go to a club, but then they've opened clubs now. It just seems really, really stupid. Yeah, really, really stupid.
0: I think evidently you're expecting a fourth wave in September when they sort of try to open, well, when the school terms start and when university yeah. terms start. The, the main sort of thing is, and i might touch on this later, is that for us, we're like one of the most heavily vaccinated sort of nations, it has massively reduced the rates of people that have died. But in some of the other countries that will continue to get these waves, there it hasn't affected that much that they can't afford to vaccinate or haven't mass vaccinated. That We're just going to keep generating more of these waves it's going to hit the other countries. And we can have all the freedom days we want. But it's, we're going to lead consequently to, to other countries just having like you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths. Mm. So I don't feel that free about it. I feel it's a kind of false optimism but also we should we can't totally keep ourselves on hold forever but it, for me everything points to more with with um making sure that we've got global vaccines that they're relinquishing the rights to to kind of the intellectual rights to the vaccines to make money out of them, and just get them out as broadly as possible that's got to be the fairest way to kind of get through it and I think who we're releasing not not the band um, <laughs> releasing guidance that basically more or less if we have to like make sure that we're in certain percentage rates for different countries otherwise The global effort to to fight it. It's just individual states will just think they're winning but then they'll just cause more problems for other people.
3: Yeah I I guess the argument is that if we unlock a little bit now at least people get to I suppose taste a bit of freedom whilst the weather's good and things (laughs) and there aren't other strains on the NHS. It's either unlock a bit now or just keep locked down to some extent for the probably for the next year really isn't it until this time next year or next spring or something. So it's it's definitely a gamble, and I I don't know whether it's the right thing to do. I I think there's there's more balance that we could have, isn't there? You know, like the last set of restrictions probably didn't need to go. You you know, I don't think they were they weren't really affecting many people's everyday lives, but I suppose they were affecting business. So that's draw the line. Uh, yeah yeah. A bar, I feel like it?
4: they're going to go for like the herd, herd immunity thing a bit as well so like the way that they've done this is that they've not really allowed enough time for sort of like everybody kind of between sort of like 18 and 25 30 to get fully vaccinated yet yeah, they've not really allowed enough time for that so I feel like it's a little bit of a social experiment of like oh yeah we'll um, we'll let the the young ones go clubbing again and stuff and then mm-hmm. um, see what happens and let the virus spread amongst like the the younger people that are less likely to get like chronically sick from it. I do feel like it's a bit of an experiment because like a lot of the people that I know that have got properly sick have been quite young and they've been quite fit and they're the ones that have ended up with things like long covid and stuff like that. So it is a bit of a worry and I, I do feel like some younger people have been really thrown under the bus because they've not been able to have the time to get both vaccines and then they're being sort of put at risk by the fact that like stuff like the nighttime economy and stuff is is opening up again more so um yeah I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how this is going to work over the next few months really.
3: Hit us with the, the world.
0: Oh well we'll go through some bits <laughs> I'll try and go world, quick and yeah. get out of it but there's been lots of news so pretty Patel High court ruled that her detention centres were unlawful, so not a great policy. I learned as well from reading Amnesty magazine that there is actually no legal entry route into the UK for refugees and asylum seekers. They have to come in illegally because you are supposed to go to the, the nearest country. So unless they get some sort of illegal border crossing, like a ferry crossing, there's no way for them to get in. And they're just brought into a, a new rule where they have to be skilled refugees. Like, it's not just fleeing from war or, like, persecution or whatever, they've got to be skilled people fleeing from persecution, with like, lots of conditions on it. Whereas, in fact, like, I think some of the best people that actually come through as refugees that I've known in my life have been, they are not necessarily been skilled when they come here, they've been scared shitless, and they've been kind of trying to get out of a difficult situation, and they've learned a bunch of skills, and they've a lot of heart to want to give back. And, yeah, the, the, the other thing to say on on this sort of, uh, like, mess, really, of, you know, like, with the new system post-Brexit is that, a global trend it's been the, the 2020 was the year with the most migration on the planet you think with like all the, all the kind of you know the pandemic going on there would be fewer people moving around but no there's the most so it's a massively important issue that i think's been got, got completely wrong and like breaking the law as well so i don't know how you guys feel about migration about pretty patel's um, pretend policies
3: yeah, good question. But well, have you? Because she was in the news again this morning, I think, for some of these policies.
4: Am I right I think in thinking this last week they were saying something about like it's the record number of immigrants that have crossed the channel? I think it was something I can't remember. It was four hundred and ten or four hundred and eighty. Yeah. In
1: this last week that
4: have come, and um, I've seen the pictures of the the people, like some some of the people that have come over, and they, you know, it's it's women and small children, and there is boats with like. A lot of men as well but like it's it's a, a good mix of people and the desperate desperate people and I, I want to know more about sort of what what actually drives people to come as well because it made me really sad seeing them and thinking about the the risks that they've taken and just that hardship and just the the sheer arduousness of like the journey to come here and I, I really um it makes the whole thing makes me really sad and I do feel like we need better routes in, into the country and the the work that they do that they don't really get recognized for but they do do quite a lot of work to kind of bring uh, asylum seeker families together so there might be like a kid that's here but the rest of the family's in a refugee camp and things like that and so there is work that goes on but I don't think it's anything to do with like Pretty Patel I think she's like an absolute Egypt I really don't I, I can't even articulate how annoyed that woman makes me. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we need a better policy in this country and a way that we can actually help people instead of cutting the aid budget and trying mm. to turn people back round and like I think the the Australian Royal Navy got praised a few weeks ago for turning boats back around, basically forcing them, physically forcing the boats to turn around and go back to where they came from and things like that. And if you think about doing that, like on the English Channel, like it's a dangerous crossing is the English Channel. There's a lot of currents and big waves and ships and everything else. And it's just, I can't imagine trying to cross that in like a crappy little dinghy with a baby or something like that. It's just absolutely horrendous. So, these people are desperate, desperate people and we need to do more to help them, we really do. I think maybe the help needs to start in the places where the problems are. We, we need both, we need a two a twofold thing, something here to help people, but something within their countries as well. It's almost
0: like, like those those really, really rich uh, billionaire bureaucrats instead of like, jettisoning themselves into the stratosphere, could be well, doing something I mean, to start yeah. businesses and to do something like useful in countries that really yeah. need the help and yeah. the economy built.
4: Yeah. I've taught refugees in one of my old jobs, um, and the main theme from them was that they just wanted to go home, they Mm. didn't particularly want to be here, they were here because they wanted safety, but most of them, they wanted to go home, they wanted to see their families, and it's the saddest thing in the world when you realise that, because the rhetoric that we get given by newspapers and whatever is, oh, you know, they're coming in here for, for jobs and all the rest of it, and that's true for some people. But a lot of the people that are here are, as asylum seekers, they just want to go home. And they want to be safe in their own countries. They're not here out of choice. They're here because they're desperate people.
0: They can't leave and work when they're over here. So no. to say that after people's jobs is, is just simply not Yeah,
4: they end up in a worse position here quite
0: often. Charlotte, yeah,
3: you were absolutely right. This the story I was I was thinking of was yeah yesterday, uh, four hundred and thirty people, um, made the crossing, which is a new record, which just shows how. Ineffective uh, anti-refugee bill is anyway, so mm. maybe time to rethink that.
4: Yeah. yeah.
0: The other thing I was going to mention, while well, we we're sort of on Pretty Patel, is is that at the start of the World Cup, she was pretty much said that it, she understood why fans wanted to boo the players for, for taking the knee to show the solidarity towards like anti-racism, and then at the end of the tournament, when people were being openly racist the players of colour that missed their penalties, was like, well, this is absolutely unacceptable, but she also at the start basically legitimised their kind of stance that they were criticising, you know, what was a really, really diverse, really like nice squad without a massively horrible laddie culture. I thought just really well managed. All like one of the best England sides I've seen just in terms of ethos, let alone potential and like what they're doing on the pitch. But just the hypocrisy of of that kind of thing. Like if it had been something like, you know, Black Lives Matter is fairly obviously an anti-racist movement. If it was something like rise the proletariat or kind of destroy the bourgeoisie, then maybe she could say, well, this is a Marxist thing. And these guys, what they're doing is promoting Marxism, which is against what we conservatives stand for. But quite clearly, Black Lives Matter, its ethos is not basically to do with Marxism. It's to do with anti-racism. And I don't know how she kind of dares to come up with that sort of rhetoric and normalize that sort of behavior for other people. It's it's like when Trump was at his most offensive and then other people copied him and then you've got a lot of right-wing people doing a bunch of stupid shit.
3: It certainly is, yeah. It was very hypocritical.
0: All right, well, I was was going to look at a little bit of health news. There's a a lot of stuff that's happened with the health department. First thing that caught attention at the start of the month was like, there's this, the NHS were going to give everyone's patient data to for research purposes to other companies and you had to opt out and those the the government as they do when they do one of these consultations didn't tell anyone about it gave mm-hmm. us a month to opt out so a lot of people my friends are sort of arguing well I don't mind it going to research but they haven't explained that to me and like whether you what date you opted out in the end there's a lot of pressure put on them to put that back but I don't like that sort of lack of consultation like I said last last episode and, and not explaining what the decision means because mm-hmm. health databases get hacked and there's, there's a lot of kind of Cyber attacks going on, and it made me uneasy that something that could be basically sold to other people to do research because that, that data is worth a lot of money could potentially be lost. And whether you want to help people through your medical research, which I'm sure a lot of people do, or whether I ended up opting out because I thought I'm not I'm not keen to be on a freely accessible database that gets sold to whoever the Tories are partnering up with. So that was the start. And other bits this month, uh, Matt Hancock, he before he had his famous butt and kiss that got him fired. There was the 25,000 care home deaths that kind of, he said it was his decision to not put those untested people in the care homes. But the, the Conservative said that that's not going to be investigated for a year. They're going to park that. And also Matt Hancock denied giving any sort of evidence for delaying putting India on the quarantine list when Boris Johnson went to go over and do a trade deal with India. We had this new Delta variant that's now 99.5% of the variant in the UK. It's massively be transmissible new variant. They kept the, the borders open so he could potentially do a trade deal. Yeah, there's this. And then he got himself sacked for the thing we all know about. A lot of health things.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a healthy dose of health news. I mean Matt Hancock, yeah, what what a guy. But what again, you know, like what a thing to to lose his job for having an affair and for breaking social distancing rules when he should have lost his job months ago for the get home debts. Like put, people are just focused on the wrong things. They're not we 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 say the same thing every time, but um yeah, <laughs> it, it sort of amuses me that that it's these sort of trivialities that make things happen and not the, yeah.
0: the huge death tolls.
4: I'm right in thinking as well that he didn't actually get fired. He got sort of coerced into quitting. Yeah, but basically he enough
0: of his It's it's too much. Like you've got to go yeah. and you got
4: So he, he got he got basically forced into quitting. But it
0: was, it's important to remember what Boris Johnson was But like, no, 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 the matter is closed. He, he just, yeah, just sort of said it's fine. It's like it's, that level of corruption seemed normalised. And Horrendous. that's that's kind of really weird. Like Boris Johnson's thing, it seems to be that it's like, oh, his private life is his private life. It doesn't matter. It's like, okay, but he was paying someone to be his person he having an affair with from public money. But mm-hmm. like £25,000 to hire someone that he fancied. A thousand pounds a day, though. So. Yeah, it's a lot, but or twenty-five thousand deaths that he could have avoided. It's like, but the, it's the the twenty-five thousand pounds that and the the kind of illicit book of kisses that got him fired. Yeah, we got um, Sajid Javid now. He's the new health secretary. Jeremy Corbyn tweeted: Can Sajid Javid confirm he will resign from his extra parliamentary roles and advisor of J.P. Morgan, or the intent to do so at the nearest opportunity to avoid any perception of a conflict of interest? as a role the guardian of the NHS, because he obviously there's a lot of money for his subsidiary role, a lot more he does in government. And it's kind of interesting as well that he's taken on the role that his first thing is like, we're gonna get Britain back to normalcy, as soon as we can. We're gonna get rid of the restrictions as soon as we can. And of course they've just voted to pass this health and social care bill, which kind of more or less gives roots to privatise the NHS again, by the kind of bringing in private providers to run basically the public service. There's still a public service that's, that's free at the point of entry, but it brings in other people to compete for contracts that were like government owned so effectively the privatization of the NHS has gone through they've got the majority so they've passed that through just doesn't again strike me with much confidence about the the government or about their policies to do with health in the middle of the pandemic
3: no no it was yeah it was just an opportunity for a a change in, in tone that would like tie in nicely with with what they had planned anyway in terms of freedom day and all that you can't trust any of them, is <laughs> the bottom line. I'm not surprised. And
0: uh... Obviously, GB News got launched, more based on opinion <laughs> than fact and research. And uh, there's a plan to privatise Channel 4. I didn't realise that that was sort of part of government-owned, but like, Channel 4 has been awesome for, like, 30 years. Uh, I don't think they really need to change much to do with that as well. It's doing really well.
4: I was reading about GB News, and it really made me laugh. They've got into trouble with some of their viewers for not being right-wing enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they had um, a presenter, he um basically took the knee on air and then um, they got loads and loads of complaints about him taking the knee sort of in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Being, he got fired and then other people quit. So they've ended up basically really, really short of and they had another like key news anchor who fell over and broke his hip or something so they basically got no staff <laughs> and then um, some of their programs have ended up with no viewers because they got boycotted so yeah I don't think they've had the best opening week really.
3: <laughs> I think the reason why he got fired and, and because and the reason why they had zero viewers at certain points was because effectively the, the anti-woke Viewership cancelled this presenter, didn't they? it's yeah. Supposed to be, you know, cancel culture is everything they stand against. Yeah. And you employed it, and the GB News is supposed to represent freedom of speech and being able to say the unsayable. Yeah. But obviously not, and this, and they claimed this guy who had breached their code of ethics by standing in solidarity. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite remarkable, but unfortunately, I think they've tapped up. Nigel Farage is about to start <laughs> course, yeah. a daily talk show. <laughs> Or currently, oh, um, and Piers right. Morgan.
4: It's going to be like the new Kilroy or something,
3: isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it'll be worth a watch. I don't know. And also, Piers Morgan is just tying up the final details on his inevitable contract as well. So, um, <laughs> they, they might not be uh, entirely dead in the water, unfortunately. Right. But hopefully, it won't be long.
4: I'm sure there's a whole supply of gammon out there, though. It's just, um, yeah, they just need to offer tasty enough contracts.
0: It's interesting that I think, like, it's sort of, you know, that bit of the film where they're trying to tempt the guy out of retirement. Come on, one last mission. I think, like, <laughs> that's the kind of thing it seems like with Piers Morgan. It's like, nobody else could fit the job. We need someone that is right wing enough but can just fire off like a firework across. And, like, I
4: feel like they're going to get Jeremy Clarkson as well. It's not fine, definitely.
0: But one more thing on this. I found it a bit weird and scary when they're saying that the concept of the news channel is it's not to we based so much on the news but on people's opinion and the opinions being quite like anti-woke and very like verging like, to be like quite right wing it's like not in a good way because you're not basing things on the facts and the detail. it's more like on the opinions and then that's where the rhetoric builds and that's where the sort of that kind of feeling comes across but in contrary to that I was listening to a thing on World Service BBC radio I to that. they were talking about positive news They've been doing stories that basically they they go about it because normal news is kind of like that you get the death toll, you get the bad news, you get reported about that. But these guys were doing a different form of news in that they would think about an issue. They'd try and like scan the news feeds about it. And then they would kind of ask people for tips and data on it. And, And then they'd do their own research to find like, here's a big global problem. What are people doing about it? And they'd research the news that way. It's quite an interesting, different way to learn through the facts through the details through case studies and it w- wasn't a depressing way of watching the news it was actually quite a good way because you're learning about how people are trying to solve these inevitable global problems that seem to sort of bully you every time you tune in the 10 o'clock news you go oh that's a bit foot. oh that's a bit fucked that's a bit foot. that's a bit foot. that's a bit foot." and uh, now let's go to bed and let's have a good night's sleep but like you know that there are other ways of doing news but i just thought that the polar opposite of that seemed to be the sort of rhetoric brood um, kind of opinionated news that they'll get someone if not Piers Morgan and someone like him to do it and they'll get the right kind of remit to, to interest the viewers, I'm sure. And like it's not a dead duck, like you say, it, it's like a dangerous waiting thing to happen. But there is another way.
3: Yeah. Let's hope we get there. Nigel's program's just called Farage. <laughs> <laughs> covering everything from Boris's lack of leadership to exactly where he got those Union Jack shoes he wore to Wembley. Well,
4: oh
3: God. I feel like
4: it's like Alan Partridge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Incredible. Right, can, can I fly through some world news? Yes, please. World news!
1: Great.
0: Great. Amnesty International Global Vaccine Statistics, right? So unequal distribution of COVID-19 vaccines is hampering efforts to immunize people of the world in the global South where most of the world's population live. G7 and EU countries have bought 51% of the vaccine supply, uh, despite representing just 13% of the world's population. So like one of the main things is being able to distribute those vaccines more evenly so we can get out of the pandemic. So we should try and do that, right?
3: Yeah, that sounds like a really good idea.
0: Did you see that massive fireball in the Gulf of Mexico when that oil well set on fire and it was like fire coming out of the sea? Yeah,
3: and did you see them trying to put it out with fire hoses?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, they was when the fire tornadoes came in. <laughs> Yeah,
3: they could have done with the fire tornado right then.
0: That was that terrifying thing It looked like the eye of Mordor, I thought. <laughs> Benjamin Netanyahu got voted out by one vote in Israel. They've got a sort of right-wing coalition, including one... Person from an Arab party who managed to get elected um, to the ousted Netanyahu seems like a rotten shit, but I don't think it's going to be too much different or too much better in Israel. Exactly, yeah. Afghanistan, the Taliban are making a lot of gains in the rural areas, and the the US are withdrawing the troops, and it seems like it's going to go back to uh, potentially a, a bad thing happening there. Nigeria, I can't remember what happened in Nigeria. Probably Boko Haram doing some really nasty shit. Russia, anyone that isn't Putin, pretty much being kind of um, ousted or quitting or, like, um, exiled or on starvation. Like, uh, so, Russia, pretty nasty. in Cuba, um, they've had a, a massive deal at their own leader, but they've been boycotted by the US for a lot of years. That's massively over, oversimplified bit of world news.
3: Nice. Any comments cool. on any of
0: those uh, those topics that are very, very, very briefly and um inarticulately touched upon.
3: I just like the way at one point you were just listing countries guessing at what the new site was. Super beast. Super beast Super Superbeast Super Beast! Yeah, almost certainly bad things happen. It's true.
0: Yeah, we are very lucky to live in the country we do, even though it's a bit fucked up. Back to the UK, where we go, we don't need laws. So, um did you hear the Britain song?
3: No. What's the Britain?
0: <laughs> song? Oh. Well, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll um, put it in the background of this section now. So, so Boris Johnson sort of said, "Let's get all the children to sing a patriotic British song," and. Uh, you can listen to it um it's got children singing it's very four four Um, see major kind of stuff and uh, you want got your kids to sing this uh britain song it's, it's fucking awful um in my opinion i was listening to it and i was saying charlotte i can't get this song out of my head can you put something else on that doesn't have a four four feet so charlotte being the excellent IBM dj that she is put on a 90s dance classic but then that just morphed in my head to a thing where i could hear we are Britain and we lead the way, with this kind of 90s like, dance behind it, and it just morphed into one horrible nightmare, but, um, yeah, it's kind of weird, it's this wave of kind of really inept, like, right-wing patriotic fascism, but it's based around saying that we're all together, but um, that we've got no rights or something, so.
3: Did, yeah. Is this the one that the children themselves wrote, for?
0: Well, yeah, but you've got to be a bit dubious of them actually writing it. Because when you write by committee, then it can be uh, like pretty, pretty edited. Yeah. But they might have written it. Sorry if I'm, if I'm upset any child <laughs> that's listening to this. That's kind of like really proud of the, the song that they all want them to sing.
3: I, I would double check, because I feel, like, I feel like if it's the one I'm thinking of, it might be written by children,
0: but yeah. It was written by children. Yeah. I don't yeah. care, it's not very good, uh, and it's kind of really, really, really catchy, like it's a real propaganda tune, so yeah. you can hear it in the background um, right now, okay. get it out of your head if you can. Right. Right, so let's do some positive news. Great, yep. Right, so there's been draft laws coming in to make ecocide a crime, Getting, trying to get countries to adopt a law and to make it law to destroy the environment. is like crime because at the moment it isn't. They've got a solution for, that. they're trialling against single-use plastic using the gut bacteria from cows. They can identify the microbes that the cow's stomachs are churning out that can potentially eat the plastic. Then they can bring more of that. This has come out of abattoirs, by the way, so it's kind of some of the leftover juices from killing the cows, uh, ironically, from that. I'm not sure if that is a positive. It's not (laughs) that positive. But potentially something could come out of it if they can work out the thing. I was thinking what kind of gases are going to get emitted if they're eating single-use plastic because there's got to be some gnarly shit and what possibilities does that leave for just getting rid of other shit that can't be destroyed in a normal manner, like through big, basically acid-bats of synthesised cow gut bacteria. There's a positive image for you, right? Mm. I'm sorry. T shirt
4: once did you a cow in India ate a whole t shirt off a washing line? It looked like it enjoyed it too.
3: Cows will enjoy that kind of thing. Actually, just on that, I can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but I watched your um recommendation of the secret life of sewage.
4: Oh, right,
3: yeah, Mm -hmm. I watched it on my laptop while I was making the chili.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's not the best thing to watch (laughs) while you make chili, really.
3: Uh, Let's put it this way, I haven't made another chilli since then. And I don't have one on the right. But thanks for the tip-off. Anyway, it was interesting.
0: This one's really interesting. So there's a study uh, based on about 2,800 frontline doctors and nurses from UK, France, Germany, Italy, Spain and the US. It was the first study of its kind where they tested people whose different diets and how badly they got ill from COVID. So pescatarians, they were 59% less likely to develop serious consequences from COVID if you had a purely plant-based diet 73% less likely to develop serious symptoms but if you had a very low carb and very high protein diet you were nearly four times likely to have moderate to severe covid consequences so the first study of that but like quite evidencing that what you eat is super important for um for how ill you potentially get
4: i'd like to know where dairy comes in on this because like dairy creates more mucus basically if you eat loads of cheese and stuff like that like it Does affect like the amount of mucus that your body produces. So I'd like to know sort of whether they looked at, at dairy as well as part of this or
3: not. Interesting.
0: There evidently there needs to be more studies of its kind, but if you're ever looking for an excuse to get onto a, like less of a meat-based diet, now's a pretty good time to do it. But it made me think in turn again that a lot of this virus has come out of mess of meat marketing. Like most of these global pandemics seem to come out of like poorly managed, sort of like um, slaughter industry conditions. Seems to be a case of overconsumption of slaughtered animals, is one of the things that the virus hooks onto. So I think try to reduce your meat consumption. You're doing a big favor for the planet and potentially making yourself healthier and less likely to get severe COVID.
3: Excellent advice. I had a dream recently. I know hearing about other people's dreams is probably the most boring thing in the world, but I had a dream that. About- <laughs> lots of little cow heads begged me to never eat meat again uh, oh, God. uh way, way very moved from the dream but it, i haven't stopped i haven't stopped eating those delicious bastards
4: <laughs> i don't know whether you can ethically eat meat or not i'm not it doesn't sit well with me i'm sort of like a wannabe vegetarian but um i know what i'm like when i go veggie i'm, I'm not a good person to be around so <laughs> i like like to have a small amount of meat just to keep myself uh, topped up. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think that would work. There
3: needs to be like a phased plan, like a kind of some sort of thing to transition you off meat. And I'm sure there is out there somewhere, but mm. I feel like I need some hand holding.
0: <laughs> All right, two last ones that call my attention. There was this really interesting story about DNA testing that you can test for DNA from the area around it in any body of water. So anyone can do this. You can just get some water, you get a DNA testing kit and you sort of say that what animals have died in the area, what animals and bacterias come up, what things, and it all flows into the water course. So you get a very weak trace of whatever's been around through that and you can test for it. And I thought that was super interesting that mm. pretty much children can gather a sample from anywhere. They could analyse it themselves or they could send it to a laboratory and they could find out a heck of a lot just from what runs into the water mm. course. Well,
4: that's why they don't put graveyards near streams, isn't it? <laughs>
3: But, but what would you find out if you did that? So if a kid got some water, sent send it off to a lab, what would they find out? What would, what would it tell them?
0: We'll tell them what animals and organisms are living in the area and kind of give you a estimate of what quantity. Okay. So in terms of like finding out about your biodiversity and things like that, or lack of biodiversity, yeah. I like good science like that where it's just quite simple, quite easy to access. And that for me, screaming out for like school children to do some like, you know, go for a nature walk, get some data and then extrapolate what they can and learn and use mathematics and scientific modelling so, you're glaring at me.
4: No, I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine primary school kids doing, like, long, complicated scientific modelling of, like, how the cow population of the local area versus the mouse population or whatever. They should do, <laughs> yeah. they should do pirates, play pirates, and then get a DNA sample
0: and then play dinosaurs. Yeah, I love the idea of that. I, I loved that
4: as a kid.
1: Yeah.
3: No. Well, um, I, I mean, there's definitely an app waiting to be made there because what would be interesting (laughs) about that is if you did have kids in schools doing this then collating all of the data that they find from around the country and visualizing it on a map and then they could see like how their area compares to other parts of the country yeah yeah. it's definitely
4: down to like the amount of organisms living in an area Mm -hmm. like not necessarily specific ones but like yeah you could like you say that have a map of biodiversity so yeah
3: it might throw up some interesting surprises as well, places that we wouldn't imagine are that diverse probably are more mm. than realise, and vice versa.
1: Yeah.
0: Last one, Iceland travelled four-day week and it worked pretty well. People's productivity stayed the same or actually increased. So Spain worked well in there, it worked well in Iceland. how like day
4: week? a four-day week. I would absolutely love a four-day week. That would be like my dream, just the same amount of work that I've got now a four-day week so i'd have to work harder on the days that i was working but it would be worth it to get a day off <laughs> i'd love that
3: especially now we're all or you know have the a lot of us have the, the option to work from home like the, the idea of a longer working day is just even more attractive really because you don't have the commute so yeah. you're already kind of doing it or potentially you can
4: do yeah that. Because I, I find that I already do, like, extra work because I'm not commuting. So, like, oh, really? yeah, I'll, like, log on sort of just while I'm having my coffee and my breakfast in the morning. even though I'm not supposed to start till nine. I'll log on at, like, half eight and sort of check emails and actually start working. And I do that quite regularly. So I think that that's, yeah, I think a four-day week is definitely doable, especially working from home.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I was thinking from that was that, the, the model of getting people back to work, going to the shops, you've got to go to the places where you commute, you've got to do work, 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 and you've got to do the same things so that the economy works. But a four-day working week, if you gave people more leisure, they'd be going to the cafes, they'd be going to the other place, they'd be spending their money. And it's more of a, a, a kind of stretched out way of doing it. It's that you wouldn't necessarily get the morning rush hour where you've all got to grab a plastic coffee and then chuck your thing in the thing. You could all spread out and do it a little bit more evenly. So I think I'd, I'd be keen to try that here and think it could actually be something that would be very positive coming out of COVID rather than just the same old ideas.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay.
0: I'll, I'll, <laughs> that's the news over from me. Okay, wow. Well, um,
3: I think I think we've covered it all anyway. That was two months of news in, in about 45 minutes. Well done, us. So supposing we hit the body. With a tremendous
2: uh tai-
3: <noise> <percentages> should we move on to some music news then? A bit of a change in tone and, and tag? Yeah.
4: Music news.
3: <laughs> Have you got any music news, Charlotte?
4: We love it, but work at the University of Leeds, and uh, we're kind of aligned with the uh, Leeds International Piano Competition. So that's taking place this year properly like in the flesh which is really quite exciting because I thought it was all going to be kind of online so um, first rounds actually took place in April and then the second round the semi-finals the finals taking place in September so um, I've actually been doing quite a bit of work on like a little mini site for my faculty for the international piano competition but it's all going to be live streamed as well which is quite exciting so there's tickets are on sale for it if people are interested in piano but then also a free live stream of it and there's some absolutely amazing pianists and there's going to be piano trails going to go through Leeds again so I think there's um, I think it's like 10 pianos through Leeds City Centre that have all been uh, decorated by like local artists and there's loads of sculpture made out of old pianos and stuff. And um, there's loads of events for like kids to get involved and for people to like learn to play in a day and stuff. So um, it's not really music news in terms of like a band or a release or anything, but it's quite a big event that's coming up. That's uh, that's quite exciting. I mean, some of it's a bit highbrow and not really my see at all but um, I like the the community events that are happening and uh, some of the pianos that have been decorated by local artists are like really quite incredible, they're really cool and some great sculptures so yeah I'm quite excited for it all getting unveiled and, and seeing it all and I just think it's really exciting to be able to have something that gets people from all across the world, I mean I think there's 24 contestants taking part in it and they're from like 16 different countries that have made it through to semi-finals so that's bringing like quite a lot of like tourism to Leeds. And uh, yeah, it's just really exciting. And I, I love the um, fact that it's kind of at the, the town hall and it's all really grand and everybody gets really dressed up and has a, a nice posh night out. I just think it is quite exciting for the city really. Even if you don't like piano, there's um, there's loads of other things happening for kind of just general music lovers. You know, it's it's quite exciting musically for the city. Something a bit different.
3: Cool. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. i will have to um, keep how it all pans out
0: what's the date of that event
4: it's september it's it's taking place from like the 4th to the 18th of september post
3: a link to that it's a bit so in advance mm. cool. yeah i'd somehow completely forgotten that we did music news so i haven't got any music news um but before we started the show i saw that there's a new song by the war on drugs which some people might like i like the last two albums they sort of sound like Bob Dylan and Dire Straits and uh, Bruce Springsteen all kind of rolled into one. And,
4: yeah, I like them.
3: Uh, anyway, they've got a new song out. It's quite sort of down tempo, um, which is unusual for a single by them, but I think sounds sounds like it's got potential. i am look excited about a new album soon. That's about it.
0: Well, i got a few items. Download festival took place, they did lots of testing and they let ten thousand people trial coming in with no social distancing and they watched a load of bands and had some mosh bits and stuff like that and then even though no people came in with COVID some people let them come so how Not very
2: many. Not many, yeah.
0: A lot of people had a lot of fun, that's yes. more positive way of but like that. But that was quite a big thing, where like, they'd ooh, people are kind of rocking out. A lot less social distancing going on at Wembley. But down the download festival's background. back on Rush Decision, the anti-fascist hardcore rockers from Cornwall, they've been recording new albums, so I look forward to hearing that when it comes out. I presume when they're back able to tour and play live, they'll probably have that mix ready. Snake Rattlers, Two Piece, uh, York Way, uh, Rockabilly, Man and Wife duo. Really, really good to watch. Good promoter as well, if the guy. visit it? they a new album, and that's all ready to go. But again, they're going to wait till next year when they can play live. This woman's got sort of uh, health conditions that need. They're already going out well. Lots of COVID about. Uh, you know, Joel, you, but he's in a new band. He's playing drums in a hardcore band called JaVal. And that italian guy tommy that came to gigs he's, he's singing <laughs> in it but we're glad that you got That italian band. guy that yeah.
4: came
0: to gigs oh yeah yeah you'll know me out with Joe a lot. i don't know what the guy's called oh, yeah he's absolutely play. great you always chat to him but then you're like Do you remember my name no i don't remember. But, but he's he's fronting that and it uh, looks very lucky so uh, i look forward to hearing that i follow all the careers of, of the major players from bootscraper um <laughs> up from uh half of them <laughs> yeah like tim um uh, cass uh joel uh and the other ones i'm people going to them, Okay, but yeah, but yeah joel's great Uh look forward to hearing them boom boom raccoon songs from the before times and some more check that out that's for download we played a track from that earlier um there's an album by the yally Yallers, rob galloway and co made a bit of a departure from the sort of 442 style punk that they were playing above albums back. that diversified the sound a bit. The last album outside it was quite diverse. Really liked it. This one, they've gone quite experimental. And Brian Eno and Primal Scream tried to do a bit of that kind of stuff. They said on their press release that they did all sorts in the studio. They turned the lights out. They swapped the instruments. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they they did. Um, And they produced eight tracks.
4: How does turning the lights out affect the sound, well, It makes
0: them play... You
4: just hit the wrong notes yeah, you can't see what they're doing.
0: But it's basically, to, to, to very briefly review the album, it's eight tracks, some of them are quite good, some of them are quite psychedelic. Rob is making a lot of like, psychedelic artwork that he's releasing on Instagram for a minute, which is worth checking out, I really quite like it. And then there's these two like, instrumental tracks that are about seven or eight minutes longer, so quite oh, good. i have probably shorten them a bit, but like, yeah, um, good work from the Ali Yalas. Miller, we went to see it on launch at Keithley yeah, at the Exchange. Like yeah, he came back from Kenya isolated and did that. His album's great, very thoughtful. Uh, I'd highly recommend listening to that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I drew all these guys when they were playing, and the, the guy Michael from the Exchange liked my drawings so much, he's like, "Can we display them?" So if you go to the Exchange in Keepley, you can see some rather
4: original John um, things sent out. Photocopies
0: of things that I did on the wall, and you can raise some money for charity. But it's it's very flattering, stuff, so on yeah. And like I gave um, that kind of portrait of his dog, so he put them in a frame. So everyone would like, say, "Oh, framed your artwork." Yeah, like,
4: you seem to have a week of people stuff.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> like not even the best bits. Like not even uh, the ain't any of those ones. Lewis Burner and the Burner Band—they're releasing an album, *Signs and Wonders*. That's out from the 1st of September. Kind of want to buy that for me person, I want mean, to go to a gig it and I'll buy that it online because they're really nice. They've like, got really kind of old-style country-esque folk type stuff. It's really good. We really like what, what Lewis does, and uh, he's, he's very active anarchist and he posts interesting things on Facebook as well. I'm super happy about Grand Collapse. When Disney was on, we mentioned there's a Grand Collapse album coming. Grand Collapse are a kind of hardcore punk band from Wales. They've got one of the best vocalists that does a shouty style of punk. I can't understand fairly what he said. If, if the lyrics were important, I yeah, hear it. But I love the way he shouts. Some people it didn't work well in record, but I really like how he shouts. Mm. And this comes out on the 6th of August, the day after my birthday, so I've already pre-ordered it. And the art on the front, like as you were saying, it's like it's etched from wood. It's one of those print things. and It's just incredible. So that's Empty Plinths, and yeah, I can't wait to listen to that. Along with Casual Nausea, two of my favourite punk bands, and, and like Casual Nausea probably between albums. Grand Collapse are just got release, and yeah, I, I love those guys. And uh, two more little things: Trio Mantilli. If you fancy listening to some Georgian lasses that do amazing harmonies and have. Excellent donkeys and Georgian scenery in the background. You can listen to them trio and um, <laughs> They're great. Like they've got me through lockdown. Going, oh, they're making some bread. They and,
1: really
0: and, uh, they're, they're, cool. yeah. they're really good. And they're walking
1: around. Yeah,
0: there's mountains. There's donkeys. There's some guy trying to start his truck. And these, <laughs> these uh, lasses are singing some yeah. great harmonies. and Playing like a three string guitar. Hmm. And there's some excellent strumming patterns. So uh, check them out and last thing to mention is about like vinyl records you know like, no one was recording so the vinyl presses weren't really functioning now there's like about an eight month wait if you're gonna get vinyl so everyone wants to record everyone's kind of burning what it stuff to burn the disc and now the, the major labels are oh, great let's let's repress Fleetwood Mac or something like that let's, let's re-release and then that's gonna get all the vinyl pressing plants going but it kind of points to the fact that there aren't like, maybe enough vinyl pressing plants but certainly since Brexit it's kind of kept up some of the supply chain but I said, even if would were to build some major ones in the UK it's still not going to be enough to save people's appetite for vinyl so perhaps some business go for smaller vinyl presses to sort of maybe with it open up because well, a lot of hipsters need their vinyl and now you know, bands can get in record it's, it's a good format. <laughs> I've got some more, more music music, music
4: to be I, I feel like you need to breathe. <laughs> okay now
0: i get excited about stuff.
4: Yeah, we've got some more music news. Uh, I'm really, really excited because we're actually going to a festival. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. But um, I got an email today sort of about like how they're going to do like COVID testing and stuff before it. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's like a family friendly one called Lake Fest that we do every year in in normal times. Tom Jones is headlining on Thursday. So (laughs) it's like really cheesy things on. So yeah, Top Tom Jones is on. And then Tapao, like how always play. I feel like they live near to where the festival is or something, because they're always on. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, like Steve, Steve is going to play the magic numbers. And then um, Scouting for Girls are like another one that always seem to be on at
0: festivals. Oh, but like, <laughs> like, like
4: you you're looking That's at i not
0: watching fucking Razorback. I
4: didn't say you had to. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then there's uh, like Stereo MCs are on as well, which I'm actually quite looking forward to. And Ash, and then uh, I'm really, really looking forward to the Venga Boys. <laughs> it's going to be pretty good. But yeah, Razorlight are playing on Sunday, but um, chances are we won't end up seeing them. Even, um, unless you go
0: backstage and throw,
4: throw cans at them. Well, um, like we did that
0: yeah. <laughs>
4: like, yeah, it's my my uh, most rock and roll story was, um, it was trying to storm the stage at Razorlight. I was helped onto the stage <laughs> in order to storm it. By the bloke from Reef, affectionately known as Gandalf, because so, uh, he was really tall and I couldn't get up the backstage ramp very easily myself, so help helped me up <laughs> so that I could get on stage and tell Ray's like, just how much I didn't appreciate <laughs> 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 But the Sicuro stopped me before I got there. <laughs> <Very strong. laughs>
3: There was, was a lonely animal who tried tried to feast about super Yeah, so I'm going to play a song by uh, Alice Phoebe Lou, it's called Dirty Mouth There's not really any big meaning behind it, it's just one of her like newest single And I thought it had a nice white kind of summery, breezy pop quality to it So um, I'm going to play that now I don't know what, is there much else that we should say about Freedom Day and all the COVID stuff? Just out of interest, have you both had both of your jabs now? Yeah.
4: Yes. Yeah, I moved mine forward. So I got mine on Friday, actually. So I've still got a bit of a sore arm, actually. I've got like a big red patch on it. Yeah, it's um, it's going down. Yeah, I brought it forward just because I was so nervous about everything. I wasn't due till August, but found out I could bring it forward. So I thought, why not? <laughs> Are you yeah. double jabs? now
3: then as well I am um, yeah I did the same thing yeah they they gave me the option and I thought yeah good to just get it out of the way so yeah a couple of weeks ago thankfully
4: yeah
3: um, yeah I don't know whether the, the woman that gave me the second one was like more precise or whether it's just look at the draw but like I didn't okay. feel the second one at all whereas the first uh, one was, yeah I've been around you know for ages yeah I was but,
4: like the opposite way around <laughs>
3: yeah I guess it's just the look of the draw then isn't it but yeah, yeah. good to have it out of the way
4: yeah definitely were you all right after your second one? Do you feel
0: okay? Yeah, yeah
3: absolutely. Nothing at all. Not even a bruise or anything. So, yeah. Mm. That was all good.
0: Yeah, I think the Freedom Day thing is just one of those wait and see. I think if it was me who was going to call the shots, it would be that in health services, you'd have to wear a mask. On public transport, you'd have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they made those concessions, but they did sort of make those concessions. I got a, a message from my health practice day saying you do have to social distance you do have to wear a mask when you come to surgery Mm -hmm. which is about right and the the sort of on the public transport when they announced it that there was a petition going around a lot of people saying we need to wear it on public transport and they did say well I expect you to wear it on public transport do the right thing but also legally you don't have to do the right thing so I think what effectively it's done perhaps there needs to be some easing so like you say people can enjoy the summer Mm -hmm. and we don't get too much deluge with it, with an even more enormous third wave. There seems to be time to think it's going to be good for the business, good for people mental the wellbeing. But one of the main things that I've been thinking about it is that it's pretty much devolved the responsibility. And there's a few things about that that kind of prick my attention. First, it was a bit of a white flag But them going, well, we're the government, but we can't really handle this anymore. So just do what you want. Just, you know, we can't stop you. Uh, we can't really manage it. So it makes me think, well, what, what's kind of the point of, of that sort of style of government that basically just devolve responsibility because it's the businesses that are going to have to make the decision. It's the local mayors that are going to have to enforce things. Health services are going to say, no, these are our rules, our terms. But this time, the, the strategy seems to be to devolve it for other people to do it. And that's got a, a series of repercussions. But one of the main ones that I was thinking when I was thinking about this ideologically is that what's the point of those type of managers that basically make themselves unnecessary the long-term consequence of that sort of thing of people saying, well, we're not going to do anything. You just do it all. Uh, and we'll just get our funders to come in and just try and pan it to them. is: Do we really need the managers? Do we really need that type of authority to run us when they can't really do it? And they're not going to give us the, the right sort of guidance. They're just going to give us a wishy-washy, this is what you kind of should be doing without saying this is what you have to do to get us yeah. through this crisis. So, yeah, I don't know what you guys think of that devolved responsibility
3: yeah, I suppose, like you say, that they, they kind of wash their hands of the responsibilities so that mm. if it, when it all goes to shit again, which inevitably it will at some point, mm. they don't have to take responsibility. But at the same time, I suppose a lot of people want free will, don't they? And, and freedom of <laughs> choice to choose and, and not have to have so much state control. And so, yeah, it, it kind of... And in any other time, I would want that as well. Mm. But I think time and time again, you just, it it would prove that that people aren't responsible enough to make those decisions or or consider anybody else really in their decision process.
4: I think that's what's upset me about this is that like, it's kind of exposed human nature's selfishness. Like, I mean, even on a personal level, I think we've all been guilty of doing things like over the last sort of year year and a half that might not have been necessarily for the greater good it's just kind of for us that we felt like we needed to do it sort of a thing and um, I think there does still need to be some laws and things in place and um, just to kind of protect like public interest but it's really bothering me the amount of people that I know that won't get vaccinated it's just it that is actually really bothering me because that is like really quite selfish I, I feel but I guess people have got different reasons for Doing what they do. Mm. Um, but uh, I definitely feel like mask wearing should still be a thing. I find it a bit bonkers, though, like the culture shift. And I think it's going to take probably a few years before people get the same sort of culture shift. Because when I taught in Thailand, I lived out in Asia, wearing masks is commonplace, you know. And if somebody's got a cold, they wear a mask. They don't wear a mask to necessarily kind of protect themselves they do it to protect other people so I feel like it's that like politeness there is needed because I when I got to Thailand, I thought everybody was kind of like clean freaks or something like that and was really kind of worried about catching germs but then when I talked to people and I got the understanding of oh no it's because they've got a cold and they don't want to pass it to other people I was like wow that's like really really good you know Um, and I think we need a little bit more of that kind of attitude and that kind of culture about protecting each other rather than like this kind of selfish thing about how do we protect ourselves it needs to be how do we protect other people mm-hmm. and we need that sort of culture shift I think it's coming but it's the slow process.
0: Yeah. It was I, I was talking to a guy at the tip the other day that's like well that's it it's freedom day you get rid of your mask don't need do any of that anymore I was like oh shit some people are going to really think like that mm-hmm. but on the flip side of it it made me think there's a bunch of conversations, really difficult conversations, that didn't happen, and, and governance that needed to be given that hasn't been given. That was quite specific, and it was about the aeration of buildings. Mm-hmm. It was about making ventilations work to treat particles. You can use ultraviolet lights to kind of to get rid of the bacteria. I know, like uh, Dutch scientists we talked about was, was trialing that kind of stuff, and it, it works and rather than say well if we're going to get people in the buildings we're going to take our masks off and if we're going to kind of let's give ourselves the best odds we can by like making the ventilation good, and there was i was expecting for the last year and a half that we're going to have this conversation about ventilation in buildings and we haven't it's just been not there at all it's just been ventilation needs to be good you get this general overall advice from the government but there's no form for how it should take it's kind of like saying you, the the client of buildings shouldn't be flammable and a death trap, but there's no kind of, or you'll get your ass sued and you've got to make it livable and you've got to have these certain standards. But for me, that the standards need to come from the government, but the government seems to be saying, no, the standards need to come from the businesses and we're going to give this very general advice to the businesses and, and make favorable conditions. But I suppose a lot of the Tory party donors are private property developers and stuff like that. So they don't want too many bills or to have to increase their safety so but it, it just feels like a massive missed opportunity for me i thought that this is stuff we could have been doing because when it gets colder we'll have to be in the buildings more with, without our doors and windows open and let we could have sorted it out we could have like installed those things and made everyone actually feel safe and make like actually beating this virus that's going to mutate more and it's going to mutate more as we mix it together in this kind of free right. way it's going to make more virulent like mutations that would be more dangerous so why we didn't really go to the next stage of fighting it i don't know it's, instead we've just had this like we need to ease we need, we need the mental health i'd feel more reassured i think more people's mental health would feel better if they actually like you know dealt with the root causes of how it's going to be spreading the most inside
4: it's hard for you working in a school you're reliant on the aircon yeah. system also filtering out any issues aren't you and i, I just think that's too big an ask for like an underfunded school to have got that right. I don't think it's going to be right. Uh, but one of the other conversations that I feel that needs to happen as well is around when people are sick being able to actually have time off work because there's so many people that are on zero hours contracts that mm. if they've got symptoms and they aren't able to get tested or they might not necessarily have COVID symptoms they might be able with something else because I know norovirus is doing the rounds at the moment the same so I feel like If people are sick, they need to be allowed to be sick and be off work. And there needs to not be this presenteeism that there is at the moment. Mm. It's this... The thing of like, oh, I've got a cold, but I've come into work and I've soldiered on and, you know, and they they sort of um, expect like extra brownie points for turning up sick. And I really, really don't like the presenteeism culture that we have in this country of if someone's sick, they're sick and they should be off work. And especially if we've got something that's transmissible, not even COVID, but anything that's transmissible, they Mm. shouldn't work because this is why things like flu and everything else do the rounds because we've got this culture of presenteeism and people feel like they need to commute and go to work and that's why it spreads we need to be a bit kinder to our workforce and our, our staff in this in this country really definitely
3: mm. yeah I definitely agree with all of that um i think we've, we've kind of touched on that before haven't we but yeah i think some people have now embraced masks and will wear them covid or or not you know even just for flu and and colds and things like that and hopefully with more people working from home and and realizing that they don't have to show their face in the office to feel like they're doing the right thing by work and stuff hopefully there'll be some changes there Mm -hmm.
4: yeah
3: it remains to be seen Mm -hmm. I guess
0: we've certainly developed the capacity to work remotely if we need to and it would just seem a shame if we just jumped away from that and to go like no, it's marching up and down the square time and you've got to do this. A blended approach has got to be the next approach and like allowing that sort of freedom, mm-hmm. I think, is, is a good idea and can only be for long term of people's health benefits, mental, physical, and, and in terms of of stuff. It only takes like one person that's going around like sneezing on the public transport who mm-hmm. doesn't agree with wearing masks. and think doesn't agree in vaccination. Yeah, that
4: can infect a whole carriage. Yeah. Right?
3: well i guess when we uh next catch up on the podcast we can see what's happened can't we and, and yeah. see, so see how all of this has resulted maybe it'll all be fine maybe there'll be lots of cases but they'll be mostly symptomless and, and yeah fingers crossed everything's worked out fine yeah yeah Ascend holy purpose. Ascend up to summit. Ascend from
2: skinny oil, Make a circular path. send ancient relics. Form those holy rings. Ascend like a super beast.
0: Restore everything. Symphony. You got any film reviews or TV reviews you want to
3: Yeah, I'll do a quick. I'll do two quick ones actually. So the first one is, did you see? TV program on BBC on the iPlayer called Time.
0: sorry you've got a really mad match out there, it's sort of. What? What's it's going on?
1: Minutes. They're riding a quad set probably. I don't know
0: if that picked up on the recording. Um, <laughs> no, uh, we we haven't watched Time. Do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah.
3: Okay. So it was. Uh, it's like a three-part, three-hour-long episode. It's on iPlayer at the moment. If you want to watch it, um, it's written by Jimmy McGovern, starring Sean Bean and Stephen nice. Graham. Uh, one is an inmate, and one is a guard in a, in a British prison. Sean Bean's play the inmate who's sort of racked with guilt, uh, having killed uh, an innocent person, and and wound up in doing a four or five year stretch inside. Both of the leads are, are really excellent, especially Sean Bean. like that is a really great showcase for what a good actor he is when he's given some good material to work with. Stephen Graham as well is is also really good. isn't overacting, as he sometimes can do. Yeah, it's really intense, uh, really believable and, and quite moving, especially the final episode. And, you know, being a prison story, it's not too exploitative or just like unnecessarily kind of nasty and cruel and rapey or anything like that. It's actually... know really well put together really well written um so yeah highly recommended i think that's one of the best tv shows i've seen in in quite some time yeah yeah, just the three parts so
4: i'd like to say that i've seen reviews of it and uh, a few clips and stuff from it but yeah i didn't get around to watching it definitely yeah that's one i'm gonna try and catch up on over the next few weeks
3: yeah i definitely recommend yeah i was having a look and um it seems like jimmy mcgovern's written some other uh, series that the two of them have starred in together as well so i'm gonna kind of go and hunt those down now the other thing i watched was a quiet place part two i don't know if
4: <laughs> i'm saying that because the first one gave me nightmares mm-hmm. so what did you make of the second one <laughs> well
3: if you like the first one it absolutely is as good as the first one uh, okay. i wouldn't say it's any better it's it's just a really perfect like continuation so <laughs> if you if you got anything out of the first one you'll get all the same stuff out of the second one uh, so it's yeah. nice that yeah it's they've like really that matched it quality wise like the perfect sequel really so you should go and watch it um, I think um, yeah I think maybe that's in cinemas at the moment or um, uh, you can pay to watch it online but I um, you recommend that Oh
4: brilliant I'm um, terrible with scary films and um, I love a good creature feature but yeah so the first Quiet Place I watched it on a plane because I thought that that was quite a safe place to watch it because I wouldn't want to be hiding behind the sofa or anything like that I'm on a plane there's other people I'll watch it that's yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, then uh, I was really, really sleep deprived and had like the most epic nightmares from that. But it was really good. So yeah, check out the second one. Definitely. Yeah.
3: <laughs> How about you guys? You got any recommendations?
4: University Challenges started again. <laughs> really excited about that. <laughs> okay. I get to unleash my inner geek. I love it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I,
0: I got three questions right before I retired yeah. last night. When, yeah, when it's a question at- on Shakespeare, good right? <laughs> <laughs> Prince Bob, our male cat, recommends Ben Fogle lives in the wild. Like yeah. he's got a proper man crush on Ben Fogle.
4: A- anything with Ben Fogle on, Prince Bob comes in and he just sits and he'll he'll get as close as he can to the television and just like watch Ben Fogle. Like I I, I don't know what it is about Ben Fogle, but he absolutely loves him.
0: <laughs> but those are great. That's the type of stuff we end up watching. More people who've gone off grid and sort of tried to lead a lifestyle. They're quite interesting, and he, he chats to them for a bit. And it's it's quite interesting how people have basically sacked off their the city banker sort of mm-hmm. life and like taken on a farm somewhere. But it shows you the hardships of, of having to manage that kind of uh, more primal kind of lifestyle. I think they're, they're pretty good. Mm. Also, we watch my, my Yorkshire farm sometimes. Like, <laughs> these these guys have had like about 10 kids or something, and it's like they're, they're running a farm. They're great. They're, they're quite good. We like like shows that make you feel like we've actually left the house. Yes, yeah, so i a bit escapist. <laughs>
4: <pissed.
0: laughs> that sounds yeah. good. Nice. Got any um, zine reviews
3: by any chance or book reviews?
0: I've seen a book review. Shout if you if
4: you were anything interesting first. Um, well, one. I'm doing my usual, and I'm I'm reading kids' books again. <laughs> so, um, I'm reading the Moomins for a bit of escapism. So, um, I've just finished reading Moomin Papa at Sea, which is very good and very adventurous, and um, it covers all sorts of themes. Like, obviously, it's aimed at kids, but it's got quite a lot of like adult themes in about like loneliness and kind of despair, and then feeling a need to travel, and then it's got kind of like a theme of like community running through it and then mental health and all sorts of stuff. It, when you read them as an adult, you mm. get quite a lot more from them than what you pick up as a kid. So mum and paparazzi, definitely.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. I, I read a, a book of Snoopy cartoons. That was good. Mm. But yeah, to, to do a few books and zines. First, it's worth mentioning Adam Byfield, who we featured in interview of. Uh, he's released a new collection of short stories called Triple Point. It's got six quick hits and three slow burns. A celebration of pulp genre fiction. by it from Adam. I got my copy within 48 hours from his Amazon ordering service. And, like, the short stories are shit hot. The stuff I've been reading really at the minute is, like, science fiction, really deep, flipped really quickly, like, horror. I think his short stories are the strongest point of how he writes. That, that, Like he said in the interview, like, vehicles for ideas. And it's just nice to see him explore his, his love of sci-fi because I really love sci-fi, so... Check out Adam's um, thing. They're uh, really good. Rachel House, who's a, an illustrator and a feminist activist, she released her lockdown comics in a book. This is called Resistance, Sustenance, Projection. I, I've been reading this gradually a month's worth of cartoons in a night, or something like that, just reminding myself of the mental atmosphere at different times. She's in some great, great comics. There's some nice commentary in there as well about them. Stuff I've been reading, African Violet, mm-hmm. African short stories. This one is the Kane Prize for African Writing for 2012. Really, really interesting to get like writers from around that continent, uh, what they're interested about, explore some of their life issues, really eye-opening some of the bad stuff that goes on there, but also some of the joy and the, the personalities of the people involved and the different lifestyles. So I highly recommend that. I'd, I'd be up for reading more of those types of stories. Mm-hmm. On Rachel House's book launch, she had a bunch of other people reading their books. And this is one from Natasha Natarajan, um, FLM Comics, Stamps of Fuck My Life Comics. The introspective slices of her looking at her life and what she's thinking about to have quite interesting thoughts. Really beautifully illustrated. Where if I'm flicking it, it's popping up with pornographic images because there's a lot of body stuff in here as well. But there's some very interesting thoughts. And the way she writes about it is quite hilarious. As she's like been with different people and settled to different relationships and travelled to different places. So I'd really, really recommend Natasha's work. She's just been doing a comic convention in London, which she's been displaying her work. Her recent stuff's really interesting. She popped in a free zine about music that changed my world. Lots of nice illustrations of musicians and world music and things of this nature as well. Great art, interesting person to trade zines with. So I traded with Esme, who creates voices, etc. This is a, a woman that's quite open about hearing voices and controlling how much she can speak to them or talk to them or leave them alone. Or... It's the most complex, sure. standard of someone that's undergoing quite what you might perceive as a mental health issue or like a, as a gift. I love
1: that. But okay. it's so beautifully made. Really...
0: You, you want to look at this picture here, Blake, and tell any of these celebrities... And I'll tell you if they heard voices, like pick a celebrity.
3: Um, is that Anthony Hopkins?
0: Anthony Hopkins, do you think he heard voices? Probably. Did report hearing voices, you right? Do you want to do another one? Uh,
3: Bowie?
0: Bowie, what do you think? Yeah, almost certainly, right? He did not, no, he oh, did not okay. report hearing voices. But yeah, what about Margaret Thatcher, should we find out? Did not, no. no. Did. no. Churchill did report hearing voices, so there you go, he heard voices. Okay. But yeah, it's it kind of talks about how you get help, it talks about support you can get, and just a really, really beautifully handcrafted handmade with lots of little mini features inside it. So I'd love to trade with Esme again and read more about it. But I've not met someone that's been so alright about something that you'd consider quite a stigmatized situation. She was absolutely cool with it. Cool. A bit ugly love this in about resentment, about someone that's in a band and does mental health work and just picking through different people's ideas about resentment. Really, really interesting scene from Cornwall. Really dig what Natasha does in the interviews she does. like this a lot. And it, it's very cynical, but very beautiful. So I can highly recommend Ugly Love. You can check that. Link all these at the end. This Body Matters is a, a collaborative scene about body image. This was really interesting. Just really, really interesting people like talking about how they feel about their body. And uh, the, the best tip I got from this... Is like, don't ever compliment someone on how they look. If you compliment them on something that they've actually done, you shouldn't get used to complimenting people, especially women, on, oh, you look good. It's like, is that all you're good for? No, it's how you are, what you do. Um, when I was on holiday, uh, I was reading Hard Femme. This is uh, a zine by someone who's a larger body stature, who's female, who is writing and drawing about their body and uh, the issues they've got and how to survive on not very much money and how to be comfortable in your body. And I highly recommend I bought four issues of Hard Pam, So I'm looking forward to getting through those yeah. uh, over the summer. I've
4: had a look at all those things and I think they're all really good actually. Yeah, I've been having uh, having tea breaks and having them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you Are Fucker, number two.
4: I love <laughs> the name of that one. I just think it's brilliant. You Are Fucker and then they just put a number on it. I Funk think it's and such thought. a good name.
0: don't need to say too much about that i really enjoyed it it's a freebie that i got drawn poorly this has been a lockdown thing where people get an image and then they get paid to talk about it the first thing i mentioned about this is none of these pictures are drawn poorly they're all quite good but uh people get to like say what what their instagram is and that's the way a lot of people go and like instagram likes it's an addictive thing Mm. generating content for instagram but yeah you can buy zooms with people's thoughts and ideas and some of them are very, very beautiful, and, and it's thought provoking. Hearing people's anxieties during lockdown, and yeah, this one's about nature. Lights go out, and Gadji Forty Four is a split scene where these guys write about the nineties, hilarious recounting tales of uh, different people they've met. Uh, like, I'll, I'll give you a quick example here. So, th- he's talking to a guy called Andy Eight Cans. This is Gadji, and he's like, he meets him on the way to got football in the morning, and this guy's sat on a bench drinking eight cans. Getting pissed, he's like, oh, you going to a gig? He's like, Yeah, I'm off to a gig all day. Great. He comes back after the football match, and Andy Eight Cans is still there. On the second batch of eight cans, they think you will get a blaster on the park. He's like, I thought you got to a gig. He's like, Yeah, but um, I'm not getting picked up till six. <laughs> Reminds me of some of our old mates from Stanford Park uh, that blasters out and yeah, lights go out. Is uh, they're talking about their business and bootlegging live gigs, taking a tape recorder in. To especially places like Blastonbury, things like that, recording all the sets, duplicating them in a van in a number of tapes and then oh. selling them. Nice. So um, lights go out. Mr. T uh, giving a lot of memoirs about his past. And this guy reviews every single demo that seems to come his way, whether he likes them or not. So I think he's hit some guilt in old, older age from basically nicking so much music and selling it from gigs. He, he's now does a lot of good work, big enough other people's music. So karma's a weird thing. All right, last few. So this yeah, I'm going to pronounce this right. It's, it's a Liverpool scene called eh? A. <laughs> uh, this is a punk scene. Lots of writing about lockdown, actually. This one and uh, punk gigs that have been on, people's thoughts about like different issues to do with lockdown. Book reviews, scene reviews. Really, really like the standard of writing in here. The the chap that writes it, I think, it's called Andy. Seemed absolutely lovely. Got in touch with me after I traded with another guy. And he sent me some loads of different copies of this, and I, I need to get through more of them, but. I really, really like the style of writing and what he does and, yeah, big up the punks. And then last one, these are international, these paper core I've read four of these issues since we last spoke. It's based in France and it's an international punk team. Very, very pidgin English at times. I, I had an article published in issue number five, actually, if you want to read my stuff, I'm in there. It's some illustrations and stuff I did. But I'm relatively boring as, a, as opposed to like punks from Israel or Myanmar or kind of Talking about touring around like Asia and getting stuff nicked by cops and being treated horribly by promoters. It gives you an idea of like different punk happenings all over the world. Uh, I love this. I'm not even necessarily as left wing as some of these guys that write in here. Some of these people are like really kind of out there with their politics and anarchism and stuff like that. And I like that stuff. I like reading their points of view. And I love reading about punk from around the world, but I don't always share the conclusions, but like I respect their ability to be free and to kind of give their ethos and to communicate with each other. And, and even issue four is quite interesting because everything said they'd, they'd give the way free to prisons. So a lot of prisoners started requesting this zine, didn't pay them anything, and a lot of them got sent back uh, because the prisons wouldn't accept this kind of, you know, very lefty sort of propaganda. But Giz, who runs this and, and his crew, are really busy and hardworking. And I really rate it. Get all the paper core. If you want to get all of issue number five, you can check out some of my stuff as well. Uh-huh. That, that's the zines and the books from me.
3: Cool. Thanks for that, Berg.
0: Right, so I wanted to mark the um, starting of GB News with a song by one Unit. This song also goes out to anyone that thinks it's coming home a bit too hard.
2: Your prat answers the door to me. Ballet. Eagle! Right, we live on an island United Kingdom That's a show you
0: song hilarious but also I thought it was weird during the, the Euro tournament at the, the start of it it was like we used to empty stadiums it was nice to see a triple of a few people coming in by the middle of it like Hungary were like we have a full stadium we don't believe in Covid but by the end it ramped up to like 60,000 in just acting in like a really egregious way to each other and not particularly nice so I just think the horrors and dangers of like over nationalism can be really bad but, but the people on the field did a really good bit of team unity and yeah they made me really proud so I do like England, but I don't like people's perceptions of it when they get really aggressive about it. Okay. Great.
2: (laughs) When you're feeling fine
0: and being kind, spend some time in 919. So Room 919, where we put good things, Charlotte, what are you going to put in Room 919?
4: Well, mine is community, actually, for this one, because I've been working at home, as have a lot of people, but, yeah, I've been basically told I'm not going to be going back to work for any time soon, really. I've kind of reached out to, like, the local community around where we live a little bit to sort of try and find out stuff that's going on, and I've recently got involved with, like, um, a community garden that's just around the corner from us. It's like um, an allotment with got a big polytunnel and then various like raised beds and things and I've met some really really nice people through doing that and it's just really brightened my life sort of getting to know some people more local to where I live because most of my friends live further out from here so it's been really really nice and I've met lots of different people from lots of different walks of life and yeah and just getting together and growing vegetables together and having a good chat and meeting their dogs and things and it's been um, it's been really lovely and it's nice to do something a bit more wholesome than just kind of going down the pub or whatever so it's community for me
3: definitely
0: very good good choice yeah for me i'm going to put in ingenuity because i think a lot of people bicker and moan and like you know have a go at each other on the internet and like criticize but do something about it make something new invent something think of a different way to approach a task or an idea go and educate yourself use the kind of facts and the things that you can see or for the people that do stuff that kind of almost like drooling at their smartphones, filling Mm -hmm. up the world with like cat memes and bullying people through the medium of what they do. But people actually make a difference by doing something genuinely showing ingenuity or ingeniousness in some way or other, even if it's as simple as like changing the use of something in your garden or like repurposing an object, using ingenuity to get you through a tough time. I think is going to make you happy and make you feel more like a human being rather than just a spurious kind of repertoire of, you know, what other people are doing and thinking so like you know be original be ingenious
3: well I'll put in um, green spaces and and the countryside and and things like that because uh, I'm lucky to live in quite a green city but um, I've spent quite a lot of time in London over the last month and having lived there for a long time as well I remembered the feeling when I first left and first got back to the countryside and that feeling of having forgotten how good it is to be in sort of vast expanses of nature, and how easy it is to forget about that when you live in, in cities and built-up areas. So yeah, getting back and exploring those kind of things is definitely something to treasure and, and to put into room nine one nine. I would say. Yeah.
0: Good company there. Good call. Mm.
3: All right. Shout out to all of our listeners, uh, wherever you are in the world. Don't forget to uh, to get in touch on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all those kind of places. We are at Super Beast Pod. Um, and don't forget to subscribe in Anchor of Apple Podcasts, all those places where you get your podcasts so you don't miss out for the next one whenever that comes and um, I think that's about it for for us this time around, isn't it? Anything else that we should say before we go?
0: Have a nice summer. Like, don't affect too many people. Mm -hmm. Be a bit responsible. Enjoy the weather. Be decent. Be nice to animals. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: you know, don't chase them around and bully them but, like, be nice to (laughs) them. (laughs) <laughs> good to your fellow man.
3: <laughs> mm. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, why not? Good stuff. All right. Well, um, I, I'm going to play a song by Faux chaperton It's called Mon Nouveau. It's from like one of my favourite albums of this year. Uh, we did play one of their songs a few episodes ago, um, but they've come back with a new album that's, uh, that's really good. Styles, kind of like, uh, yeah, indie pop and, and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I just thought this was a great tune to to finish with so uh, we'll, we'll play that now but um, yeah goodbye everyone and we'll, um, we'll speak to you next time. Bye
1: Bye guys
6: Un Un grand Souffle <laughs> sur le pays <laughs> Très chaudement Dans un bain Un bain de foule des veaux A moitié épais On se mouillait mollement La glace fondait dans les Sprites C'était à n'y comprendre à rien Tout le monde se plaignait en ville Du climat subsaharien On n'avait pas le moral Mais l'on répondait bien A tous les mots, les traits d'esprit du des serveur central. Le monde de demain, on le bégayait tous Sans n'y comprendre rien À la loi, nouvelle nouvelles des éléments Qui nous foutaient la fraude Des poils, poils en même temps La clarté nous pendait ton Dans sa vive lumière bleue Nous étions pris, fait cerner L'évidence était sous nos yeux Comme une publicité qui nous masquait le ciel Des millions de pixels pleuvaient Sur le serveur central Un mot